Part One of Use of the Dead to the Living by Thomas Southwood Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part One from the Westminster Review an appeal to the public and to the legislature on the necessity of affording dead bodies to the schools of anatomy by legislative enactment by william mackenzie glasgow eighteen twenty four every one desires to live as long as he can every one values health above all gold and treasure every one knows that as far as his own individual good is concerned protracted life and a frame of body sound and strong free from the thousand pains that flesh is heir to are unspeakably more important than all other objects because life and health must be secured before any possible result of any possible circumstance can be of consequence to him in the improvement of the art which has for its object the preservation of health and life every individual is therefore deeply interested an enlightened physician and a skilful surgeon are in the daily habit of administering to their fellow-men more real and unquestionable good than is communicated or communicable by any other class of human beings to another ignorant physicians and surgeons are the most deadly enemies of the community the plague itself is not so destructive its ravages are at distant intervals and are accompanied with open and alarming notice of its purpose and power theirs are constant silent secret and it is while they are looked up to as saviors with the confidence of hope that they give speed to the progress of disease and certainty to the stroke of death it is deeply to be lamented that the community in general are so entirely ignorant of all that relates to the art and the science of medicine an explanation of the functions of the animal economy of their most common and important deviations from the healthy state of the remedies best adapted to restore them to a sound condition and of the mode in which they operate as far as that is known ought to form a part of every course of liberal education the profound ignorance of the people on all these subjects is attended with many disadvantages to themselves and operates unfavorably on the medical character in consequence of this want of information persons neither know what are the attainments of the man in whose hands they place their life nor what they ought to be they can neither form an opinion of the course of education which it is incumbent on him to follow nor judge of the success with which he has availed himself of the means of knowledge which have been afforded him there is one branch of medical education in particular the foundation in fact on which the whole superstructure must be raised the necessity of which is not commonly understood but which requires only to be stated to be perceived perhaps it is impossible to name any one subject which it is of more importance that the community should understand it is one in which every man's life is deeply implicated it is one on which every man's ignorance or information will have a considerable influence we shall therefore enter into it with some detail we shall show the kind of knowledge which it is indispensable that the physician and surgeon should possess we shall illustrate by a reference to particular cases the reason why this kind of knowledge cannot be dispensed with and we shall explain by a statement of facts the nature and extent of the obstacles which at present oppose the acquisition of this knowledge 
we repeat there is no subject in which every reader can be so immediately and deeply interested and we trust that he will give us his calm and unprejudiced attention the basis of all medical and surgical knowledge is anatomy not a single step can be made either in medicine or surgery considered either as an art or a science without it this should seem self-evident and to need neither proof nor illustration nevertheless as it is useful occasionally to contemplate the evidence of important truth we shall show why it is that there can be no rational medicine and no safe surgery without a thorough knowledge of anatomy disease which it is the object of these arts to prevent and to cure is denoted by disordered function disordered function cannot be understood without a knowledge of healthy function healthy function cannot be understood without a knowledge of structure structure cannot be understood unless it be examined the organs on which all the important functions of the human body depend are concealed from the view there is no possibility of ascertaining their situation and connections much less their nature and operation without inspecting the interior of this curious and complicated machine the results of the mechanism are visible the mechanism itself is concealed and must be investigated to be perceived the important operations of nature are seldom entirely hidden from the human eye still less are they obtruded upon it but over the most curious and wonderful operations of the animal economy so thick a veil is drawn that they could never have been perceived without the most patient and minute research the circulation of the blood for example never could have been discovered without dissection notwithstanding the partial knowledge of anatomy which must have been acquired by the accidents to which the human body is exposed by attention to wounded men by the observance of bodies killed by violence by the huntsman in using his prey by the priest in immolating his victims by the augur in pursuing his divinations by the slaughter of animals by the dissection of brutes and even occasionally by the dissection of the human body century after century passed away without a suspicion having been excited of the real functions of the two great systems of vessels arteries and veins it was not until the beginning of the seventeenth century when anatomy was ardently cultivated and had made considerable progress that the valves of the veins and of the heart were discovered and subsequently that the great harvey the pupil of the anatomist who discovered the latter by inspecting the structure of these valves by contemplating their disposition by reasoning upon their use was led to suspect the course of the blood and afterwards to demonstrate it several systems of vessels in which the most important functions of animal life are carried on the absorbent system for example and even that portion of it which receives the food after it is digested and which conveys it into the blood are invisible to the naked eye except under peculiar circumstances whence it must be evident not only that the interior of the human body must be laid open in order that its organs may be seen but that these organs must be minutely and patiently dissected in order that their structure may be understood the most important diseases have their seat in the organs of the body an accurate acquaintance with their situation is therefore absolutely necessary in order to ascertain the seats of disease 
but for the reasons already assigned their situation cannot be learnt without the study of anatomy in several regions organs the most different in structure and function are placed close to each other in what is termed the epigastric region for example are situated the stomach the liver the gallbladder the first portion of the small intestine the duodenum and a portion of the large intestine the colon each of these organs is essentially different in structure and in use and is liable to distinct diseases diseases the most diversified therefore requiring the most opposite treatment may exist in the same region of the body the discrimination of which is absolutely impossible without that knowledge which the study of anatomy alone can impart the seat of pain is often at a great distance from that of the affected organ in disease of the liver the pain is generally felt at the top of the right shoulder the right phrenic nerve sends a branch to the liver the third cervical nerve from which the phrenic arises distributes numerous branches to the neighbourhood of the shoulder thus is established a nervous communication between the shoulder and the liver this is a fact which nothing but anatomy could teach and affords the explanation of a symptom which nothing but anatomy could give the knowledge of it would infallibly correct a mistake into which a person who is ignorant of it would be sure to fall in fact persons ignorant of it do constantly commit the error we have known several instances in which organic disease of the liver has been considered and treated as rheumatism of the shoulder in each of these cases disease in a most important organ might have been allowed to steal on insidiously until it became incurable while a person acquainted with anatomy would have detected it at once and cured it without difficulty many cases have occurred of persons who have been supposed to labor under disease of the liver and who have been treated accordingly on examination after death the liver has been found perfectly healthy but there has been discovered extensive disease of the brain disease of the liver is often mistaken for disease of the lungs on the other hand the lungs have been found full of ulcers when they were supposed to have been perfectly sound and when every symptom was referred to disease of the liver persons are constantly attacked with convulsions children especially convulsions are spasms spasms of course are to be treated by antispasmodics this is the notion amongst people ignorant of medicine it is the notion amongst old medical men it is the notion amongst half-educated young ones all this time these convulsions are merely a symptom that symptom depends upon and denotes most important disease in the brain the only chance of saving life is the prompt and vigorous application of proper remedies to the brain but the practitioner whose mind is occupied with the symptom and who prescribes antispasmodics not only loses the time in which alone anything can be done to snatch the victim from death but by his remedies absolutely adds fuel to the flame which is consuming his patient in disease of the hip joint pain is felt not in the hip but in the early stage of the disease at the knee this also depends on nervous communication the most dreadful consequences daily occur from an ignorance of this single fact in all these cases error is inevitable without a knowledge of anatomy it is scarcely possible with it 
in all these cases error is fatal in all these cases anatomy alone can prevent the error anatomy alone can correct it experience so far from leading to its detection would only establish it in men's minds and render its removal impossible what is called experience is of no manner of use to an ignorant and unreflecting practitioner in nothing does the adage that it is the wise only who profit by experience receive so complete an illustration as in medicine a man who is ignorant of certain principles and who is incapable of reasoning in a certain manner may have daily before him for fifty years cases affording the most complete evidence of their truth and of the importance of the deduction to which they lead without observing the one or deducing the other hence the most profoundly ignorant of medicine are often the oldest members of the profession and those who have had the most extensive practice a medical education founded on a knowledge of anatomy is therefore not only indispensable to prevent the most fatal errors but to enable a person to obtain advantage from those sources of improvement which extensive practice may open to him to the surgeon anatomy is eminently what bacon has so beautifully said that knowledge in general is it is power it is power to lessen pain to save life and to eradicate diseases which without its aid would be incurable and fatal it is impossible to convey to the reader a clear conception of this truth without a reference to particular cases and the subject is one of such extreme importance that it may be worth while to direct the attention for a moment to two or three of the capital diseases which the surgeon is daily called upon to treat aneurysm for example is a disease of an artery and consists of a preternatural dilatation of its coats this dilatation arises from the debility of the vessel whence unable to resist the impetus of the blood it yields and is dilated into a sac when once the disease is induced it commonly goes on to increase with a steady and uninterrupted progress until at last it suddenly bursts and the patient expires instantaneously from loss of blood when left to itself it almost uniformly proves fatal in this manner yet before the time of galen no notice was taken of this terrible malady the ancients indeed who believed that the arteries were air-tubes could not possibly have conceived the existence of an aneurysm were the number of individuals in europe who are now annually cured of aneurysm by the interference of art to be assumed as the basis of a calculation of the number of persons who must have perished by this disease from the beginning of the world to the time of galen it would convey some conception of the extent to which anatomical knowledge is the means of saving human life the only way in which it is possible to cure this disease is to produce an obliteration of the cavity of the artery this is the object of the operation the diseased artery is exposed and a ligature is passed around it above the dilatation by means of which the blood is prevented from flowing into the sac and inflammation is excited in the vessel 
in consequence of which its sides adhere together and its cavity becomes obliterated the success of the operation depends entirely on the completeness of the adhesion of the sides of the vessel and the consequent obliteration of its cavity this adhesion will not take place unless the portion of the artery to which the ligature is applied be in a sound state if it be diseased as it almost always is near the seat of the aneurysm when the process of nature is completed by which the ligature is removed hemorrhage takes place and the patient dies just as if the aneurysm had been left to itself for a long time the ligature was applied as close as possible to the seat of the aneurysm the aneurysmal sac was laid open in its whole extent and the blood it contained was scooped out the consequence was that a large deep-seated sore composed of parts in an unhealthy state was formed it was necessary to the cure that this sore should superate granulate and heal a process which the constitution was frequently unable to support moreover there was a constant danger that the patient would perish from hemorrhage through the want of adhesion of the sides of the artery the profound knowledge of healthy and of diseased structure and of the laws of the animal economy by which both are regulated which john hunter had acquired from anatomy suggested to this eminent man a mode of operating the effect of which in preserving human life has placed him high in the rank of the benefactors of his race this consummate anatomist saw that the reason why death so often followed the common operation was because that process which was essential to his success was prevented by the diseased condition of the artery he perceived that the vessel at some distance from the aneurysm was in a sound state and conceived that if the ligature were applied to this distant part that is to a sound instead of a diseased portion of the artery this necessary process would not be counteracted to this there was one capital objection that it would often be necessary to apply the ligature around the main trunk of an artery before it gives off its branches in consequence of which the parts below the ligature would be deprived of their supply of blood and would therefore mortify so frequent and great are the communications between all the arteries of the body however that he thought it probable that a sufficient supply would be borne to those parts through the medium of collateral branches for an aneurysm in the ham he therefore boldly cut down upon the main trunk of the artery which supplies the lower extremity and applied a ligature around it where it is seated near the middle of the thigh in the confident expectation that though he thus deprived the limb of the supply of blood which it received through its direct channel it would not perish his knowledge of the processes of the animal economy led him to expect that the force of the circulation being thus taken off from the aneurysmal sac the progress of the disease would be stopped that the sac itself with all its contents would be absorbed that by this means the whole tumour would be removed and that an opening into it would be unnecessary 
the most complete success followed this noble experiment and the sensations which this philosopher experienced when he witnessed the event must have been exquisite and have constituted an appropriate reward for the application of profound knowledge to the mitigation of human suffering after hunter followed abernethy who treading in the footsteps of his master for an aneurysm of the femoral placed a ligature above the external iliac artery lately the internal iliac itself has been taken up and surgeons have tied arteries of such importance that they have been themselves astonished at the extent and splendor of their success every individual on whom an operation of this kind has been successfully performed is snatched by it from certain and inevitable death End of part one.